Welcome to The Dead Format, episode 130. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the only person who was disappointed that Niv Magus Elemental was not in Time Spiraling Remastered, Tom Smiley. And we're here to talk about Legacy. I wasn't disappointed until you said that, and now I am disappointed. Like a gold border Niv Magus Elemental? Beautiful, with like Japanese artwork. No, yeah, with Japanese artwork. It would have been perfect. How sick would that look in your next GP deck? It's probably, it's probably going to be there, so we shouldn't joke about it. <laughs> did you uh, did you crack and open your box or what? No, so I'm drafting. Uh, so today's Thursday. We're drafting Saturday. I was screwing around with Matt on Discord because uh, he was talking a little bit of shit, and I was like, I have this box, and I can cr- start cracking packs right now if uh, if you don't chill a little bit. But um, no, I haven't opened it yet. We're going to draft it on Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to it. I thought for sure you were going to say that you cracked it and opened like 12 packs because you only need 24 to draft, right? Yeah, and I was thinking about it, but I didn't I didn't want to do that to everybody. So, yeah, we're only going to be drafting with four people, so we need even less packs. I think we can get multiple drafts out of it, so I didn't want to touch it. Oh, that's actually divisible, yeah. That's kind yeah. of weird. Yeah. So I think we're actually going to be talking quite a bit about the time spiral, the, the TQ, the time spiral question. So we might as well bring in our... Uh, our guest at this point and not have him waiting on the sideline for the next 10 hours uh, while we while we, uh, debate the merits of these new old cards uh we've <laughs> got a good guest we've got someone who actually plays legacy someone who's grinding every day and has been grinding for a long time uh has a lot of knowledge about the format and i happened by a deck list of his that 5-0'd that i was really impressed with so connor fulce welcome back What's up, guys? Ian, Tom, nice to be back. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's good to have you. Like, I my perception of time is just completely screwed up because of the pandemic. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it was that long ago since we had you on last time, and it was it was more than a year. So, yeah, it's been a long time. Time has been uh, very strange lately. So, that's true. Yeah, that is very true. Time is very distorted right now, but. I think uh, I remember, and when I started the chat with Connor, I saw this in our history, that we really vibed last time. We had a good thing going when we had Connor on as a guest. I remember I didn't know what to think. Like, I didn't I didn't know you. But I think we all vibed really well, so I think it's great to have you back. Yeah, I agree. It's great to be back. Uh, I've missed... Uh, I took about a six-month break off of Magic uh, when I got bored of playing against Oko, Astrolabe, Dreadhorde for three out of five matches every league. Um, Understandable, yeah. And uh, so I, I came back after the bans, and it's been a blast of having a lot of fun playing Legacy again, and uh, it's good to be back on this podcast, too. Yeah, so what were you playing before, the before I guess, you took your break? Were you playing Oko and Loam? Yeah, I was mo- mainly playing four-color blue Loam. Um, yep. I just I was playing against Rug Delver three times a league and Snow two times a league, and that was basically every five matches. Uh, and I got really bored, and I just felt like the format really stagnated. And I uh, I had a lot of passionate hate towards Astrolabe. <laughs> Actually, I was one of those people that really didn't like that card. So um, I wasn't necessarily going to come back if they just banned Oko, but banning Astrolabe was like a big respect to you wizards move in my mind yeah. so i i came back after that i think the format's excellent right now so yeah i co-sign all of that i thought what did you think about death right shaman did you like it 
I did not like that era either. I tend to not like uh, magic when it's like three decks. Some right. people like this like meta figured out thing where you can plan against the same five decks and just play the same matches repeatedly. I am not that person. I much prefer diversity and like the leagues right now are super diverse. I mean, I rarely ever see the same deck twice in a league. Um, and I barely see the same deck twice in two leagues, to be honest, it's been all over the place and it's a lot of fun and I've been brewing and like having success brewing. And it's just, I, I think this is the best legacy has ever been except for right after death, right was banned. Wow. So I'd have I, to, yeah, I think it's great. I'd have to agree in theory, at least, um, at least since I've been playing, I haven't been playing that long, you know, 2014, but, uh, it's, it's pretty damn good right now. I yeah, guess and maybe the, pre treasure cruise is, is the, the next best in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think some people are arguing about whether Uro is a card that should be banned and I think it's totally fine. Personally. I haven't even heard that. That's crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to answer if you like pack some answers in your deck. You know, like there's a lot of I ways to handle it. Yeah, I don't see it as any worse than like Clothis or anything like that. I mean, it's it's a pain in the ass, but it's like you know a dimension for decks to explore. But I mean, I think there has to be like a best fair threat in Legacy, right? Like there just always is a best fair threat, and it's fine. Like as long as that threat is not oko levels yeah. of overpowered it's it's just kind of how legacy is and it's i think uro is perfectly acceptable so you play paper right i so <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that i i did play paper for a long time and then um i foolishly made the decision to sell out of paper uh when i quit playing uh because i thought i was done for good um uh, that was a huge mistake it, al- it huge always mistake. it always drags you back yeah, well, not only that, I lost a ton of money because uh, everything like tripled after I sold. So Ooh. it's been pretty. I, I beat myself up over it like every day, but I'm slowly buying back. AKA, I, I'm not. I had like an all foil collection that I spent a long time putting together, and so this time around, I'm. I, I started with some like some of the old border new time spiral stuff. Oh, nice. And that's as much as I have right now. I have not bought duels again or any of the expensive stuff yet. I'm sort of waiting on that. But when I do buy back my decks eventually, I want to just play like non-foil old border. So Definitely, yeah. That's very appealing. So I bought a box of uh, Time Spiral. Tom, we talked about this last week, and I wanted to buy a box on Amazon after you told me about the price sale mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah. I didn't. I didn't pull the trigger on it. I uh, it it was like a week ahead. It shipped like a week ahead of when I th- how long I thought I had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've looked at this, bro, but the price the cheapest box you can find online right now is three twenty four. Yeah, cases cases were selling for two grand, and I'm really glad that I got talked into buying a box. But I got freaked out because over the weekend, I looked at I looked at my email, and it's like Amazon has refunded you for your order of Wizards of the Coast oh, Time no. Spiral Remastered. And I was like, like, what, what the hell is going on here? Like, did they cancel my order because the prices went up? Like, what, what's happening? And they gave me back like a dollar seventy four because my shipment didn't get to me on release day. Oh. It got to me like two days later. So when I finished reading it, I was like, oh, you, you just freaked me out. But I get two dollars back or whatever. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I'm, 
I'm, I'm excited I got talked into buying a box, but the prices are crazy. People, like, people are loving the old bordered stuff. Wizards is just going to end up doing more and more of it, and it's going to be great. But I think the big question is right now whether or not Wizards, like, pumps the presses on on some of their other printings that they're doing and says, all right, let's do a second run of this right now because, like, we can capitalize yeah, well, there's a very interesting thing. I I know that they were very uh, concerned about the card stock for this set. They wanted to get it right, and they they had the real disaster with the foils, especially with I guess the uh, mystery booster set and jumps. I don't not not jumpstart. What's the other uh, double masters? Mm-hmm. They really had you know horrible quality foils. Time of year obviously matters, but uh, these packs, as far as I've seen in my box for sure. They're all using the the Japanese printers, uh, or you know maybe some other printers that are of the same quality. But when I saw when I, like I, when I first touched the packs, they're different. Like the the packs are, they have more air in them because they're like sealed, and they just break open differently. I could tell immediately that they're using you know only the Japanese printers for these set this set. So I don't know if they even have the capacity. You know what I mean? That's good. I um. My my buddy Matt bought the collector's box of Kaldheim, and he said that everything is just tented. Like, it was, like, worthless. Ugh. He spent all this money to get all of these foils, and, like, you literally just can't put them in the, in the cube. And he was super disappointed um, to the point where, like, he was just questioning why he was, like, buying this product. Oh, it's brutal. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I opened my box, obviously, tore it open. And it was funny, like, the first impression that I had was uh, that I didn't know what any of the rares were in the set, like the normal rares, but uh, mm-hmm. I didn't recognize, I only recognized 10 out of the 36 rares I got, and they were like a, a who's who of why I don't like playing modern. It was like uh, <laughs> Lotus Bloom, Summoner's Pact, Vesuva, Talaria West, uh, uh, Angel's Grace. It was just like nightmares of all the unfun modern decks you play against. So I don't know about the actual cards in the pack. I, I basically just kept the 36 uh, old-looking cards, but it's sort of the opposite of when we talked about the set boosters in the collector's box, cutting down on the amount of like draft chaff that collectors have to open. Mm-hmm. This is like I'm opening 700 cards for 32 of them or 36 yeah. of them. I don't I don't give a shit about what's in there except for that except for that old bordered card. Yeah, not, dude. <laughs> like I and I was okay with spending 180 bucks on like. 36 of these random old border cards yeah so, for sure we are, we're definitely going to see more of that in the future for wizards so yeah i ended up snapping off because the boxes are so expensive now mm-hmm. i ended up just snapping off like i didn't buy ponders but i bought true names and decays and a few other I, cards i was pissed i was looking at prices i guess when like when when the prices ended up being the lowest because prices like from the pre-orders were insane they dropped quite a bit, and then people figured out the supply was super limited, and they started to spike again. So I think that when when I was thinking of pulling the trigger on the Decays and the Ponders and the True Names, uh, the Decays were like 10, and the Ponders were like 12 each. Oh, and wow. now they've like they've like doubled in the last week, and I, I, missed, I missed my chance to get them. Yeah, th- I think that it's still a good time to buy, honestly, because the, the value of the cards in the box is a lot lower than the cost of the box right now you know so yeah who knows what they'll release in the future but i think it's a fine time to buy them maybe like a christmas release 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like... funny too because like all the single sellers on TCG Player are like selling one copy or two copies. There's no like none of the mass box opening stuff. Like mm-hmm. when a, when you go to buy a card from like a standard set, there's like this person has 22 and this person has 34 and this person you know. This is like one copy, one copy, two copies. It's really strange, man. I think everybody got caught with their pants down in the supply of this set. Yeah, well, I mean, Wizards doesn't really give like a ton of a ton of guidance when it comes to that. Like right. the the by the head, the director of Star City Games put out something a few weeks ago where he's like, "Listen, I'm really worried about the supply of this." Probably because like he he has basically inside information because he knows how how much star city is able to order right so like if if they're capped and that number's really low they're like listen like there's not a lot of the set and obviously like regular regular buyers have no idea about that right another thing that i thought was pretty funny i was looking at the thought seizes and like the uh the foil thought seize from the new the old excuse me the old bordered new foil thought seize is actually like the same price as the lorwin foil thought seize like five hundred dollars yeah, I mean it's beautiful. I like I like the old border more than the Lorwyn border, and it's like it's the new hotness, right? Yeah, but there, there's the uh, Invocation Thoughtseize, which is selling right now on eBay for a hundred, and I guess there was a Borderless Thoughtseize from Double Masters, like the you know the box topper version or whatever, and those are selling for thirty two bucks. So that might have to do with the tenting. The Invocation ones had like a had like kind of a fucked up border, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, so, yeah. It's just funny. Later, we'll talk about them bringing back the fucked up borders. Yeah, well, it's funny to me that, like, uh, this this sort of, you know, they're they're doing all these crazy things, like this this invocation border or this borderless or whatever to try to snap people up, but what they really needed to do is just bring back, like, an aesthetically pleasing card, right? (laughs) Like, what they had to begin with. Yep. And maybe... Hopefully we see more of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you were alluding to this, the Strixhaven spoilers. We're not going to talk about the cards. I can't believe that they're being spoiled already, first of all. but Well, I mean, uh, it's not it's not that long until the set's released, right? Like it's the next in their cycle? Yeah, but it just feels like, like Kaldheim just came out and we've had, I guess Time Spiral was a bigger deal for us than most people. but Yeah, I mean, that's what Wizards is doing now. They're like cycling through their printings. That's, that's why they're doing so well financially. Yeah, true. So well, I'm not like I'm not like too worried about Strixhaven as far as like possible cards to ruin the format, <laughs> but like Modern Horizons Two is like looming oh, in front of us, and I'm yeah. just so concerned. Dude, when it's is that June? Shit. Is that June? But, yeah, oh. they they already announced, uh, or they already announced like the new cycle. The uh, what is it, Magecraft? That like already has an infinite combo printed. They haven't sp- spoiled the whole set yet. To be fair, though, that combo is really bad, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. like, very concerned yeah, it's about a it. Two, it's a two-card combo with a two-cost sorcery that you like need to basically discard your hand for before it can get broken up. But, yeah, and then you just force it, and that's it, and you yeah. lose. Well, then you can just play Loam and things like that to, yeah. to make those discarded cards matter. Yeah. <laughs> throw it throw it in, uh, in Bant Maverick. I am as like a as like a fair player though. I'm a little bit concerned by Winter Bloom Command because I was listening to uh, Brian's podcast the other day and he was talking it up about how good it's going to be in Tess. And I'm like, I don't want Tess to have like free answers to Thalia and Deafening Silence in one card. Mm-hmm. But oh, interesting. We'll see. Uh, 
we'll see how that goes. I, I always get concerned when Wizards prints commands because a lot of them tend to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they can always like go the route of like printing a five cost command and then it will barely see any play. But the the two mana two color combination ones have have been have been very good. Yeah, uh, we'll keep. I haven't actually looked at it, so we'll keep our eyes out. But the uh, when we talked a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the like the uh, Soul Ring and Source of Plowshares that are like the alternate versions from Strixhaven. Yeah, I I like those. Yeah, well, it turns out they're not actually. There's uh, like this counter spell here. Uh, if you look at that, that's actually the alternate, like the masterpiece or whatever from Strixhaven. Yep. And the source of plowshares we saw is just collector's edition. No, it's in fifty percent of the Japanese boxes. It replaces the masterpiece, so it's like, like War of the oh. Spark, War of the Spark uh, anime art or whatever. Okay. Which is like a real black pill because they actually did look good, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, I guess that's going to spike the price of Japanese boxes, but, like, I like those versions way more than the frame and the art that I've seen on these spoiled invocations. Like, this counterspell looks like dog Dude, shit. Dude, it looks so bad. Like, like, <laughs> like comically bad. Um, I don't know why... I don't know why they spend all this time and money to promote, like... To promote these invocations as the special inserts, where they're like, take a look at these awesome cards... And they make them look like fucking dog shit, ah, but they do, God. and they it's been it's been like this for like a few years. Come on, yeah. fix your shit. I it's just so ahead. I haven't seen this counter spell yet, and I'm looking at it right now, and that is some ugly ass shit right there. Oh, thank so God! I like I like <laughs> the artwork, like that hand with like the. Like sort of like uh, like circle in the background with the. It's color very scheme. social. It, d- it doesn't surprise me that it appeals to you. Actually, it's, it's very workers' it just party like a of red the USSR. Yeah, it's no, got but that the vibe. but the border the border is just trash. I don't mind the artwork. I'm not <laughs> the border is so bad, dude. Yeah. I'm looking at it now, it's so bad. Ugh. Yeah, the art the art wouldn't be horrible for some other card, but it, I don't think it's a counter spell at all. You know. Well, I mean, if it was maybe, like, a blue theme, that, like, hold on, stop, hand, that is, like, the the quintessential, I'm going to counter your spell hand. Bro, that's like a that, hand? I thought it was a Paramount movie logo. I guess it is a hand. It's a fucking hand, right? Yeah, I was, looking, not a I hand, was just looking at I, the I palm. Back. I was looking at the, the palm of the bad. hand as the center of the image, I guess. <laughs> I have it super blown up on, like, a 30-inch monitor, so. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I guess it is a hand, technically. First world problems. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, dude, that was uh, that was pretty whack. But I, I'm sure that they're... Dude, it's so funny because you can actually, like, gauge... They're going to be able to gauge the popularity of the formats, too, by these cards that were released in Time Spiral, I think. Because, like, the demand for some of the cards is strictly Commander, right? Like, what the fuck is... Uh, secret plans or a hedron archive right yep versus uh there's some vintage cards specifically there's some modern specific cards you know that like thraven inspector or whatever that would never see play in legacy and then there's Mm -hmm. some legacy specific cards like containment priest right yeah and i mean there's some cube stuff too but i don't know if that plays that definitely doesn't play into the market as much as the other formats 
I mean, yeah, the cube cube book probably overlaps pretty heavily with EDH, but it's its own thing too. That's a good point. So basically, they're going to, I think, be able to tell, you know, the where the demand is coming from and adjust that. We were talking last week about how many of these sets they can do in the future. They'll mm-hmm. probably get that down to a science too. Yeah, well, I mean, like I I would assume, and maybe like I'm I'm just making this up. They would probably want to do one right before Christmas. And then probably have a summer release and, and separate them by like six months. Yeah. So what they what they were previously doing with their master cycle, do something like this. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if their masterpieces or their invocations or whatever just like turn into old border stuff for the recent future, for the because of the success that this had. That would actually be kind of cool if they did cards in the set, like they released, you know, Strixhaven. But the masterpieces oh. were Strixhaven cards with real borders. That would be crazy. That would I actually. Know, I don't know if it would be as cool as having like the old cards that people want, but that would still be that would still be kind of cool. No, but it's Instead like an of eventual your deck. You could yeah. like you could like old school your deck. Right. It's and I it's like you. an eventual out from the churning of of constantly eating your old uh, reprint equity, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that's a way for them to get off the wheel, maybe, but. Anyway, talk. I guess we should probably talk about Legacy now since we have the expert here. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. It's been months. So the deck list, we haven't talked about this, but the deck lists are actually broken right now. Like the, the Moto, however they were exporting deck lists. Yeah, of course Of course, I'm, I'm having the best season I've ever had. I'm yeah. playing and I don't get any lists published, but that's <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, that's brutal. Well, you get, you get to be on our podcast right now, which will get you like two extra impressions <laughs> yeah you'll, get, you'll just, definitely get a twitter follower out of this <laughs> i don't come here for the fame i just come here because i like you guys so. <laughs> we appreciate it because there's no fame to be had yeah. so yeah joe dyer big ups to joe dyer he's keeping this alive this format alive at this point and the people who help him like testacular and osmandius who are compiling the top 32 from the challenges and who played what deck and everything. So we know that Lance took down the last challenge and also had another deck in top eight. And I hadn't really thought about it, but Lance seems like a pretty fucking good choice right now, actually, looking at the decks that are, people are playing. But, Connor, what's your opinion on that? On uh, the format or Lance? On the or... format as a whole, but particularly, I mean, you are in the Lands, not exactly... I wouldn't call you exactly a lands pilot, but you're in the same, uh, what, genius, genus, species, phylum? What is it? <laughs> um, I've been, uh, yeah, the format I think is pretty wide open. I don't know that there really is a metagame. I will tell you that um, I play quite a bit, or I have played quite a bit recently, and the format's like a lot of fair decks. There's very little combo right now, I think, overall. True. Uh, I think the only deck that I see repeats of ever, even though like this past few days I haven't seen it at all, is Delver. Um, there's a decent amount of Bant decks, like Bant Miracles, Bant Midrange-ish decks, because um, people are trying to play Uro. But yeah, the format's pretty fair, and I think my I've been playing the decks. The two decks I play the most are Four Color Blue Loam, of course, and Punishing Maverick. Um, and my win rates with both are like above eighty percent right now. So, I think the meta is very well positioned for those kinds of decks if you know how to play them. 
So this deck that we're looking at right now... Oh, you said four-color blue loam. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, this is... The deck that you saw that I posted is another deck that I made. It's Bant Depths, and it's uh, a deck that I made a long time ago. Uh, well, not a long time ago, but, like, right when Oko was printed, basically, and I put mm-hmm. it together. And it actually had some results, and some other people started playing it, and then it fell off, and so I, like... This is kind of a redoing of it with Oko Band. So basically, like, you have whole breachers in that spot now. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, this deck is what caught my eye, man. Uh, I guess for the people who can't see it, it's sort of like, you know, a mashup of of, uh, Loam and Maverick. Like, you're playing uh, Mox Diamonds and the Depths combo with, like, a Maverick mana base other than that. Two crop rotations, three Elvish Reclaimers, or... Yeah, three Elvish Reclaimers. Maverick Creature Package, and then two Skyclave Apparitions, two Hull Breachers, two Teferis, uh, Time Ravelers, three Nether Reliquaries, and an Uro. Yeah, so I think the idea with this deck is... Well, let me say this. I have a very different um, play style than a lot of people do when they play Legacy. I, I prefer flexibility uh, over consistency most of the time. So a lot of people criticize my deck building because I tend to have a lot of like two and three ofs rather than just like a bunch of four ofs. And I think I I like to play decks where I have answers against any deck that I would play. Um, And so like that's why this isn't a traditional depths deck where it's only running one stage, one depths. It's more of like a side plan. Like it's kind of like an I win button combo, but the deck's like main plan is like Reclaimer, Knight, getting Uro on the table, Sylvan Library, like you know, mid-range-ish plan. And the reason the Teferis are in there, originally when I first made this deck, the idea was that you had Teferi plus Green Sun Zenith at instant speed, and also Depths combo, and your opponent can't interact with the 2020 at instant speed if you have a Teferi out. So that was kind of the idea behind it in the first place. And it's just kind of turned into this like mid-rangey deck. Like it's kind of like Maverick Loam Depths, all in the same deck, basically. And it has the flexibility to change plans. I think it's a really hard deck to play, and so like, I don't know that I recommend it to other people because it's it's a deck that like fits my play style. Like how I like to play Legacy is how I built this deck. So flexibility, multiple plans, the ability to change plans mid-game, um, and. You have answers to things like Skyclave and Four Plows, and you also have like Hole Breacher for combo matchups and blue matchups, and you still have like Knight Reclaimer in the lands package for like basically like the toolbox aspect. And then you have like Teferi that kind of makes it all run against blue decks. Um, and you have like a small Green Sun crop rotation package as well. So it just yeah, does a lot yeah. of different things. You have the creature package and the land package for, you know, your tutors. It's amazing how much you fit in this deck, really, because you really do fit, like, Maverick without, uh, with, uh, yeah, without Mana Dorks, basically, but you do have Mox Diamonds. Actually, I, that's what one thing I really wanted to ask about is the Mox Diamonds. I mean, obviously you have Life from the Loam, so Mox Diamond makes sense, but did you consider going with Mana Dorks in this deck, or...? I did. I just, I really like Mox Diamond. The ability to power out, like, turn two plays on turn one is is pretty solid. Like, being able to play a Sylvan Library on turn one is very good, particularly in this meta. 
Um, and I just like the inevitability that Mox Diamond gives you. You know, it can't be wastelanded. It attacks for any color. It's right. pretty hard to interact with in general, and people aren't going to waste their abrupt decays on it most of the time. Um, not, the, not with the, the deck list that you have. There's way more no. important things. Yeah, exactly. And you have 26 lands, which I find to be the minimum number of lands to play for a Mox Diamond deck. Agreed. Um, and then you get the Loams that work well with Mox Diamond. Uh, so I think in this kind of deck, I prefer them over Mana Dorks, uh, in addition to Reclaimer. So, like, you get turn one plays where you can go, like, Mox, pitch a land, play a land, play Reclaimer around days, or play Reclaimer, hold up Plowshares or Crop Rotation. If you have, like, a duel, you can Crop Rot somebody trying to waste you. Uh, I had this really sweet play... <laughs> against uh bryant was youtubing a league with um tony who they were playing uh ruby storm uh oh yeah it was game two and i beat him 2-0 and i had this really sick play where i got to uh i went like play savannah pass and they started going off they like had like jessica's will the one that draws cards oh yeah cards in your opponent's hand and so i crop rotted the savannah into a fetch for trop and i flustered it (laughs) <laughs> the look on Brian's face in that video was like priceless. So. That the only thing that would have been better is just like smashing a hull breacher into play coming out of nowhere. Yeah, that would have been better, but it was turn it was turn one, I think. So there's no way to do that at that point. But it was just sweet because it came off of Savannah. So like obviously they're not going to play around that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. Obviously, the the fact that this deck has blue in it is appealing to me the way that i would go like just you know just looking at this deck like uh what what my inclination is would be to cut the depths package and the the crop rotations and put brainstorms in here so i want you to explain why that's not a good idea um traditionally i don't think brainstorm is very good in um maverick style decks i have tried it before the fact is, like, you're only running six fetch lands, which... And eight a, shuffle effects in the main deck, though. It's yeah. true. You get shuffle effects with Reclaimer and Knight, but it's yeah. not, like, ideal. And it also just makes you worse to Chalice. Now, I realize you are playing 11 one-drops, but um, I don't want to add, like, two extra one-drops. And also, if you take out the crop rotations in the depth package, you're taking out a lot of what this deck does. Like... Even though stage and depths are only one ofs in this list, they're both very important to the deck because uh, there's a lot of games where the plan is combo. Uh, even if you're only you only have one copy of each, there's so many ways to get depths and stage with this deck: crop rotation, elvish reclaimer, knight of the royal query, um, and safekeeper is there specifically to protect merit Lage. So, right. Um, I think it's just not a brainstorm deck. Um, in general, and I don't really like brainstorm in like lands, mavericks type shells. And there's a reason I think where you why you never see brainstorm in those kinds of decks. Even the ones that do splash blue just have never played brainstorm. It's just because it doesn't really function the way that you want it to. There's just not yeah. a lot of like you're not getting a lot of equity out of it in the same way that you would out of like Delver or Blue Control or something. Yeah, no, I'm sure that's true. A lot of times it's not even possible to put brainstorm in the decks because they have uh chalices of their own right so like uh like the four color blue loam uh typically you know you would never consider putting brainstorm in there but in a deck like this uh you don't see those come around very often where you're 
you know, accelerating mana but not playing Chalice. And so I guess there were two questions. Uh, one of them is, did you consider sideboarding, putting Chalices in the sideboard? And also, you know, how often do you make Merit Lage with this deck? And you mentioned it being a necessary, like, a nice tool to have access to. Which matchups specifically do you feel like you, you want it? Uh, well, the first question, I did not really think about Chalice because, like, for example, with Four Color Loam, you can play, like, two swords in the board because a lot of times the matchups where you bring in Plow, you board out Chalice, like DNT and Maverick. With this deck, you're playing 11 one-drops, and it's yeah. pretty rare where you can board in Chalices and not have less than, like, seven or eight ones, and so it just doesn't quite work. That's why I'm using Flusters and Veils instead in that gotcha. kind of, like, combo hate slot. Um, and the second question, uh, I think Depths is really important against combo because it's, like, the fastest way to win in those matchups. And this deck does not have a good combo matchup game one. I mean, the whole Breachers help, but generally speaking, it's pretty weak to combo. That's why there's so much combo hate in the board. Um, and also Delver. I, I really like it against Delver. A lot of the Delver decks struggle against Depths, and so, like, this deck has an excellent Delver matchup, I found, for the most part, um, because you have, like, four Plows, you have a Depths package, you have, like, Knight and Uro and Skyclaves and Hole Breachers and all these threats that they have to really answer that line up well with what they're trying to do. And they, while they're trying to, like, deal with all of your, like, mid-range stuff, then you just kill them with Merit Mage. And, like, a lot of times, they don't have the ability to, like, hold up a Wasteland. And, like, once you're able to get Mage on the table, because you get to play stuff like Sejiri Step and Teferi, um, Brazen Borrower is often, like, not enough of an answer. So yeah. I find it to be really good in those matchups, but it's also really good, like, in the game ones against Control, where if you resolve a Teferi, then you get to, like, have free reign with um, Depth's combo. Like, if Teferi's on the table... Hey, I'm sorry, hold on. That was awesome, but my kid just came in, and he's like, why are you recording? He really really wants to talk to everybody, so I'm going to put the headphones on him, and he's going to say hi. Hi. How's it going, buddy? Can you hear everybody? Yeah. I'm Aven's good. How's school? Good. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, and I want a new wall called Rex. Oh, no way. That's sick. No, that's not. Um, <laughs> it comes out to a lot. Oh, and the crowd gotcha. says the next time, we're going to want to let a lot. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. But I want a lot of Red of Steel. Yeah. But then Miss Chelsea said the weather. Every time. How did that make you feel? Uh, like so. Didn't get that. Ooh! <laughs> um, can you use it? Okay. And can I paint? No. No, but I'm I'm recording. Yeah, he seemed he seemed like he was done. <laughs> All right, sorry. I have to, I have to take that detour because he came and said good night to me. We usually don't record this early. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's funny, man. He seems like he likes school though. He does. He loves it. I mean, that's he's awesome. uh. This is his first year of pre-K. He's only three. 
It's so he's going to be in there for a while. But he's, like, at home, he's already doing, like, state capitals uh, and, and things like that. And they're not even learning how to, like, add in pre-K. So they're, like, learning what the letters are and how to write them, and that's pretty much it. But he still, oh, he still likes going there. Nice. I'm, I'm sorry to throw the wrench in, like, the legitimate legacy content that Connor <laughs> was throwing out there. It was, like, it was good, but I was like, oh, man, he just crawled in here. This is going to be bad. So we, we got we to gotta deal with this. It's okay. <laughs> Cute kids take priority over magic cards. It's all good. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons that I was uh, interested in this is there was a conversation under your post where people were claiming that the deck was bad against Delver. And when yeah. I was looking at it, I was thinking it was probably at least at least somewhat positive against Delver. I didn't know if it would be great against Delver, like uh, you said it was, but you sort of said, you know, it's it's very and I believe this that it's very pilot dependent and, you know, that you sort of play it a different unintuitive way and you want to talk to that at all? Yeah, I, a lot of people give me flack for my deck list that I brew, and like I said, it's primarily because I play decks, and I've 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 played Legacy for long enough, and I've become like decent enough to like develop my own play style when I play decks, and so the deck the deck list that I make fit to my style, and so I think on paper maybe they just look bad to people who like their consistent deck lists, you know? But I yeah. I think the way that I play them it works out. Um, just because I know all the lines with the deck and I know all the things that I have that I'm trying to draw at any given time and I know all the toolbox options to deal with any sort of given issue um, and it is the lines in the deck are very unintuitive and it works the same way with Loam I mean I think that's why like people always ask me like why are you playing Loam it's not it doesn't ever get any results and it's because like nobody plays the deck because it's really hard and it's unintuitive and people like will lose a lot with it until you get past this like six month learning curve and you know it's just easier to play like a blue control deck or you know like brainstorm and ponder give you a lot of leeway um yeah and and so i, I think that's that's a big part of it and like i wish that i had time to play challenges and the ptqs and stuff but like on weekends I just never have like seven to eight hours to devote to playing Magic in a row. So like I generally only ever play leagues, which is kind of unfortunate because I'd love to play challenges, but I just can't. Like I'm on the I'm in Seattle, so like getting up at seven a.m. to play Magic for seven hours is really difficult on weekends for the most part, especially sure. when I'm in school and I have like other things to do. Um, so most of my results are only in leagues, but otherwise I'd be playing Loam and Challenges, and I think it's just because, like, these kinds of decks, like, these mid-range depths decks and Loam and Maverick are, are very difficult to play well if you don't have a lot, of, a lot of experience playing them. And so I think that's why they don't see as many challenge results as other decks, but it doesn't mean that they're bad. I think, for example, I think Maverick is probably the best positioned it's ever been if you know how to play it well. The meta is extremely favorable for Maverick right now, so um, at least in my opinion. I'd actually believe it. I'm not gonna lie. I, like looking at this deck and thinking about this deck and looking at the challenge results, it just it really does seem like it can be any of the the decks that you're seeing. Uh, you know, I wonder about Death and Taxes whether that's a positive matchup, but 
DMT is DMT is tough, particularly because you don't get black in this deck, so you're not right. able to get Plague Engineer. Uh, DMT is probably one of the harder matchups for the deck. It's still okay because you have like four plow and skyclaves and teferis and like you know collector oof force of vigor quarter grace in the sideboard like you have a plan against death and taxes where you don't even have to think about trying to depth them but it is probably one of the harder matchups just because you don't get access to like the black sweepers and removal right. spells exactly so yeah aside from that i i like i think i like a lot of your other matchups obviously you were talking about how there's no or not no but there's relatively a low amount of combo right now so you know that that feeds in but you also have a sideboard you know that i would like your matchup against combo anyway i think yeah i tried to i basically loaded it with a bunch of combo hate because i think the matchup is pretty the deck is pretty favored against a lot of the fair decks uh and so but you have a hard time against like doomsday and sneak and show and like storm game one yeah. so it's, those are the kinds of decks that I'm trying to beat after boarding, for the most part. Uh, gotcha. I feel pretty comfortable in the fair matchups, just given my experience. I think that's a trump card in a lot of my matchups against the majority of people on Moto, like minus the great players, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think Legacy. The reason why I love Legacy so much is it's a format that really rewards experience and like ability to play your deck. And when you're talking like fair versus fair, that comes into play a lot. And so I've been able to use that to my advantage and like not have to sideboard as aggressively for like the fair matchups yeah yeah no for sure that makes sense what so tell me a little bit about court of grace is that is that spot i imagine that spot would have been like you know gideon or any of the the like planeswalker sort of control uh breakers that you see sometimes in like a maverick sideboard but is that basically what that's doing there? Is it just like an, a, a more evasive version of a Planeswalker, or is there a specific matchup, that you, like Delver, that you like that card in? It's it's the grindy card. Um, let me tell you, Ian, I love, I love this card. It has quickly become one of my favorite cards in all of Legacy. Uh, I, play, I play Court of Grace in every single deck that I have right now that plays white, all of them. Nice. Loam, Maverick, Death and Taxes. I'm playing... I've had a ton of success with Delver Blade lately, and I'm running Court in the board in those decks. Ooh. Um, the card is absurd, and I think it's vastly underrated, and I don't think people have quite caught on yet. Uh, but I've been trying to champion this card for like a month. Uh, it's just, it's so good. Like, if you resolve it and you untap, you win every game, period. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, like, when I, and I'm only talking about like the fair matchups, right? So against like right. Control... And like Maverick and like even Death and Taxes, like fair grindy creature matchups. Like if you have an even board state or even like slightly favored board state and you resolve a quarter grace, that's the game most of the time. Because like you get four four angels, and even if they take the monarch, you're still getting flyers to take monarch back. Um, and I find it to be particularly good in like Maverick and DNT, where you also get flyers to equip to. And it's the same goes for Delver Blade too. Right. Um, and I think it's just it's better than any Planeswalker that I've I've played as like a grindy sideboard option, and I feel like eventually more people will play it. The only downside it has is that it's a little bit difficult to catch you up when you're already like if you're like super behind, it's not gonna like top deck bring you back into the game necessarily. Right. Um, but I think it's it's more of a card that like jumps you really far ahead if you're if the board state is slightly even, and so it's just a way to close games out against like grindier matchups 
Yeah, when you're ahead, you don't ever want to draw a palace jailer. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just good when you draw it when you're ahead, but it, it's it's more like uh, when you're slightly behind or when you're at parity, palace jailer is like the greatest card ever, right? Yeah. And it seems like Court of Grace is just taking over that that position because it's better when you're ahead, right? Yeah, I, I think it's just... Like, if I could even use this podcast as like a PSA for people to play this <sighs> card and try it. Because I think on paper... Tons of people have been like, this card seems bad, or like, what do you do if you lose the Monarch? And it's like, I think you just have to play with it to understand. Right. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, Court of Grace is one of the cards, I'd say probably the most right now. When I look at that card, it makes me want to play, uh, because I would be playing with it. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Delver Blade, or I, I like this deck a lot too. Uh, you know, the decks that I want to run through a league right now. And like Hull Breacher, I would be playing that card, but that doesn't make me want to play. That makes me actually not want to play. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, it's a good card, but it's just so, such a fucking, I, I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah, good. I mean, it's obviously it, really good, but. It's not it, necessarily it, a fun card. It's just, it's a very good card that helps in a lot of matchups. The only time that I like, visibly am annoyed by it is when I have to play against like Carnecos where they have like eight whole breacher effects plus echo and it's just like annoying. Yeah, that got second in the challenge actually. I really dislike playing against that deck as well. Yeah. Fortunately you don't play against it very much, you know, maybe once every two or three leagues or whatever, but yeah. it is it is a super good deck, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, and I also, like, I'm trying to bring back... I mentioned Delverblade earlier. I'm trying to bring that deck back. I've expanded my range over the last year, and I play a decent amount of, like, Delver and Stoneblade-style decks. I've learned how to brainstorm and ponder, finally, even though I <laughs> rejected it for so many years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Delverblade is really good right now. Like, Interesting. I've had, a, I've had a lot of success with my list that I've been playing. I'm just playing, like straight blue white splash red in the board for power blasts and like a blood moon so what is um, your list what was that what is your list like what are what are some of the uh interesting inclusions um well so it's running um it's just you know the usual stuff it's 20 lands and then you get four plow four brainstorm four delver yeah. four ponder four stone forge four days and you have the stoneforge package four force of will and you get two True Name, Teferi, Narset, Jace, and Brazen Bar. Oh, that's, Hold... that's Planeswalker heavy. Yeah, Brazen Bar, Hole Breacher, and Council's Judgment. That's the main board. Um, any any thought about Skyclave Apparition in that in that version of the deck? It's an interesting. Uh, it's that's an interesting thought. Uh, you could certainly try it out. Double White is a little bit rough for the mana base. I'm running two basic planes because I think the reason I'm playing Council's Judgment over Skyclave. Mm -hmm. is that it's a broader answer and particularly like it's a good answer against opposing true names um but i could see like trying skyclave in the deck as like an extra body to equip to yeah i that's the deck that i've like done the most thought with recently because i know that i'm gonna be playing soon because i'm going to the 40k um and i know that that's like the end of july but trying to trying to come up with what balance of threes that you want to play for that deck that has no mana acceleration is really tough because like you have all those planeswalkers and you have true name and then there's so many other options at three now than when i was playing a lot um that that's the biggest thing that i was trying to trying to think about 
Yeah, it's a little bit of an awkward tension with days, but that's why I'm running 20 lands instead of like 18 or 19. It's like, because mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more three drop heavy. Even though, like, a lot of it's not really three drops. Like, if you if you don't count equipment as, like, mana cost, because you just assume that you're trying to put them in off Stoneforge, and you don't count Force of Negation, and you don't count Brazen Borrower, because it's, like, a two drop. And the deck runs six three drops in a Jace, which is not, like, too bad. Um, and it's not, like, been too hard on me yet in leagues. I, I feel like the deck, the mana's pretty good, because... What I'm doing is I'm running two islands, two planes in the main. So the nice part about the deck is like running basics. It's just so huge a lot of the time. Like being able to game one, just grab islands and planes is, is pretty big against a lot of decks right now. And then like game two, like there's one Valk in the main because you have the blasts and I'm playing Blood Moon and Kozilek's Return in the board. Oh, Blood Moon. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I when I was trying to like think of my builds, I was... Just trying to run back to basics instead, but Blood Moon is also super interesting. I'm actually running a run one split right now, back to basics and Blood Moon, um, just because I like them both, and I think they both have their places, and you can run both in this deck reasonably well. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I've approached it, and it's worked out pretty well. Although, in general, I would say Blood Moon has been better. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, that's always why I didn't actually enjoy playing that deck even though i thought it was good sometimes is because i got so used to playing stoneforge in a deck with mana ramp when we were playing uh bant uh stoneblade and that was all about like going one to three right and looking at this maverick this uh bant maverick deck that you have here uh that's kind of why i was asking about the mana dorks before is you have you know four diamonds and two green sun for arbor so you do have six ways to to accelerate towards three yeah uh and you you have all these incredible three drops in the deck and sort of i think what tom was getting at there is you know with uh blue white delver and especially playing four days you know the, with the power of three drops right now in the format is is that a problem right is it is it a problem to be playing on the back foot until you can de deploy your powerful three drops? I will tell you that it hasn't been a problem for me yet. <laughs> um, okay. It, it, I mean, I it could certainly be just how I play the deck, um, and it maybe will show up later as an issue. But I think that a lot of... Like, I totally understand the point that you're making, and I think it's valid. It is a little bit awkward to go be playing Delver and then trying to ramp to three, but then also playing Days. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the reason why it works is because Daze is an absurd magic card. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, Daze is just so good that you don't actually mind taking yourself off a land drop, particularly because if you're going, like, turn one Delver, Daze the thing, then you, like, play your land again. It takes you off a three drop, but then, like, turn two, you're going Stoneforge, and that's already a lot for your opponent to deal with, and you've tempoed them. So, like, I think the cool part about the deck is... It's kind of like half tempo shell, half like mid-range blade deck. And it can kind of, I think you just need to know how to like switch plans. And like sometimes days is incorrect because you really want to land the true name on time. And you sort of have to just decide like what role you're in and what's more important. And I think that's what makes the deck so cool. And like why I've enjoyed playing it lately is like you get to switch between these roles of like playing a basic lands Delver deck with days and then playing this like mid-range blade deck and both work pretty well it's just kind of you need to figure out like which half you're trying to play 
And I guess the drawback to playing the deck is sometimes, like, you don't draw the right half of the deck uh, given a matchup, right? And I think that's yeah. just an in inherent weakness when you're trying to play Blade and Dover together. No, that's definitely true. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's, yeah. It's, it's mitigated by Daze, I think. I just think that Daze is such a good card in general, and, it, and it's, like, so much of that awkward tension is just mitigated by the fact that you get free answers to things. Yeah. It's funny, I thought that Bug was going to be taking up a lot more uh, of the early metagame than I've seen, where it's actually been Bant and Blue-White that I've seen in the spot where I thought I would have seen Bug. And I don't know if that's the fact that Veil of Summer is more popular now in these, this sort of post-ban metagame, uh, and it's just scaring people off playing Thoughtseize main deck, you know, like a, a sort of a bug delver shell or a bug mid-range shell. Or if there's another reason, do you have any sort of uh, insight into why bug isn't popular right now? Yeah, I think there's a few reasons. Um, the first is that Swords to Plowshares is insane right now. Like, mm -hmm. maybe the best it's ever been. Like, when Uro is all over the place in fair decks... Like, the reason why Bug has a hard time is because, like, you get to play your own Uros, but you also have a lot harder time answering opposing Uros. True. So, like, obviously, like, Swords is not an ideal answer to Uro, but it takes care of Uro, right? Like, it just deals with it in one it's card. It's pretty ideal, honestly. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it's solid enough, and I think, like, you really want to be playing Plow right now if you're playing some kind of control deck, I think. And also, the second reason is Blast. Um... Like, the combination of one-mana answers and plows and blasts is just, like, so good. And, like, Bug doesn't have access to either of those things. Right. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Um, I don't even think that Veil is necessarily very good right now, just because, like, Bug is not seeing that much play. But then again, I mean, there's people that make Bug work, right? Like, um, Pokemoki is playing, yep. like, Bug Pile still. And I think a lot of that reason is just because, like pilot experience and like he, he and i are similar in some ways in that his decks are very non-traditional as well but they fit to his play style and so he's able to play them the way he wants and i've kind of developed a similar thing for myself and so like on paper a lot of people look at his decks and it's like this doesn't make any sense i don't understand your numbers and i think people probably would think the same when they look at my lists and i think it's just because you know we have gotten enough experience to the point that like we understand how we want to be playing our decks and so we build the decks to what we want to be doing and it doesn't necessarily work in a vacuum like i think it's just because legacy in legacy play style matters a lot more than it does in modern or standard no absolutely no i think i'm sold on on your explanation there that uh that does make a lot of sense to me Plague Engineer also, seems really good, though, right now, so I feel like I would still be trying to make it work, you know, being a yeah, man against the wall. It is very good. That's It's always very good, that's for sure. Uh, I also think that I would predict that over the long term, once we see, like, Moto decklists come back and people sort of, like, build off each other's stuff, I think Bant, Bant Delver is, is a deck that I'm working on right now. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a deck that's going to become the head of the format, because if you look... <laughs> If you look at the way the format is and like traditional rug Delver, I don't think Lightning Bolt is very good. Like, if the Delver mirrors are running Uro, what is Lightning Bolt doing when Uro just gains three life? Right. Like, I think you'd rather just play Plow. Like, I know that it's awkward with Delver, but I think you just want the clean answer to Uro if that's what other Delver decks are doing. 
So yeah. I think like one upping the Delver mirrors when you're playing Delver makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I personally, we'll see what happens and how the metagame shakes out over the next few months. But I think people are going to start trying to head into the Bant Delver direction. Just because if people want to play Uro and Delver, it makes a lot of sense to also play an answer to Uro. That's a that's a bold prediction, man. But I, I love it, man. I, I really do. I've thought that. I've been wanting to get that to work and trying different lists for a long time, and it does does seem like the right time. So, for all the reasons that bug is bad, a bant is probably good, right? Yeah, I, I and I think it's just the it's the value that you get out of plow is I think the primary reason, and also like you get white sideboard cards too, which is yeah pretty solid as well. Um, you can't really play like Rest in Peace because you're playing Uro. I also think like Rest in Peace just in general is at a premium right now. It'd be great to see Bant Delver because aside from, I guess, Esper Delver, it's the most maligned color pair, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the it's Three colors. Uh, I think the whole like Plow with Delver thing needs to end because if Delver decks are trying to go mid-range anyway, like are Delver decks trying to kill you fast anymore? I really don't think they are. Like... A lot of the rug lists are playing Uro and Library, right? So No, dude. The, the problem is, and I've been on this for a while, but the problem is that Delver is just the best creature by such a wide margin that if there were two creatures that were almost as good as Delver, there would just be two different decks in a lot of these cases. Or I mean, they would at least be named something different because these decks don't even necessarily want Delver that much. It's just so much better than anything else you could play that you, you just end up playing it, even if you're not exactly a quote-unquote delver deck like a blue red delver or a rug delver that we think of right yeah yeah i mean i think i just view it as like i view it as like a three two efficient threat right and then the rest of the shell is just like bant mid-range exactly it's just it's just too good not to play basically yeah so now i'm totally on board with that i remember now why we were vibing and why we why why i had that note (laughs) makes a lot yeah, of man. sense I, I i have also just been playing a lot and thinking a lot and uh I, I think a lot of it is because i've had a pretty rough couple months and i magic it's like a I, keeping my brain distracted has been pretty good for me during the pandemic and like i'm about to be fully vaccinated on sunday so i've just kind of been biding my time until then and um so I've just been playing a ton on Moto and like thinking about decks and talking to people, and I feel like it's been paying off. That's great, man. I'm I'm very happy to hear that. That's wonderful. And That's it's good, it. like it's a good community to fall back on too. Like when you need, you know, like because I have a separate social life. I just you know, like everybody, I haven't seen a lot of people in person. So yeah, it's nice to have interaction with people that have similar interests, and I think that's what's so great about Magic. And it's something that I kind of, like, lost track of for a while because I just didn't enjoy playing anymore. And I forgot how nice it is to have the community, you know, and, like, how much of a plus that is, even if the game is bad on a given point. And it was a reminder after the bans, which I thought were perfect, that, like, no matter how long the game kind of sucks for, it will eventually even out again, you know? Because, like, Wizards does make the correct decision after sometimes too long, but eventually they'll you know, right their wrongs. So I think it's just a matter of patience and maybe I lost some patience for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is always nice to know, you know, you want, you take a break from playing or from social media for a while or whatever. And you can always log back on to, uh, the leaving a legacy Facebook group and 
Bryant Cook is running through a league, you know, that there it's always going to be there, right? Yeah, this, definitely. This uh, this sort of community, so it it is nice that it's always there, you know, that you can come back, swim in, swim out, but yeah, and I think it it makes sense given just like the absurdity of the printings over the last two years and like how busted Oko was. And you know what's funny? It's like I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really realize how busted Oko was like to the level of busted that card is until they banned it and then once they banned it and i played the format again i'm like wow that card was like egregiously overpowered yeah it was really good man the, the one that really snuck up on me was dreadhorde arcanist like i i made excuses for that card for a long time until i tried brewing the last time i tried brewing which was i guess the eternal weekend uh events however long ago that was and I was just like, man, there's there's no space in so many color pairs because this card exists, you know? It's like the two-mana Jace or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was also, that also needed to go. And I think I think the card that was the most, like, contested over was Astrolabe, but I'm very glad that they axed it. Because, like, it's so nice to, like, have mana bases that get punished for playing a bunch of colors again. Like, control decks just can't play more than three colors anymore. And right. if they want to play Uro, it's a stretch, and you're going to get punished by Wasteland. Like, that's how Legacy has always worked. So it's nice to have, like, the Equilibrium back. It certainly does feel that way, right? Like, it, looking at the, the results and everything just feels... The universe is in line, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think Combo could see a little more play than it is currently, and I don't know why. Don't, it's don't just, say that. Bite your tongue. <laughs> no, well, I, just I think, think it's just we haven't had, like, a huge event. Uh, maybe if there was a paper event that was coming up that had big prizes that people were like, okay, now it's time for me to like jam what I think is the best positioned, there'd be more. But like most people, and maybe I'm gonna like, maybe I'm gonna get some shit from a whole bunch of people who listen. Most people would rather play fair stuff than combo, I think. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe I'm really wrong about that. No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm glad it's not seeing as much play. I think it's a lot more fun magic. I just think for, like, balanced universe, there needs to be, like, one good combo deck. And I guess right now that's probably Doomsday. Although that deck just doesn't see a lot of play because it's difficult. And so it's sort of like the loam of combo decks where you really... Like, if you're going to have a lot of success with it, you need to know the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of this metagame reminds me a lot of like the uh, SCG Syracuse metagame a couple of years ago. Like a lot of things like uh, blue-white being good and uh, just g- the general sort of openness of the format, but you know, it's uh, sort of a more traditional format. It reminds me of that SCG Syracuse metagame and what ended up sitting on that, like once that sort of evolved was show and tell. So I think that secretly, uh, you know, pe- people obviously don't want to be jamming show and tell when there's no prizes on the line and, you know, no big events to plan for. But I think that that deck might, you know, come and, come and eat a lot of people's lunch. I, you know, like, I <laughs> I think everybody knows my undying hatred for that deck. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> uh, but I, I cannot stand it. I think it's uh, yeah. it's the worst thing in the format. Um, but I also think it's bad right now, to be honest. Um, okay. There's a lot of Delver, and there's a lot of Blasts, and, like, I just, I don't know how good it is currently. Yeah, uh, I hope you're right. I'm just, uh, I'm nervous about it. 
I mean, obviously, like, unless you're JPA, you could play that deck in any format and do well, but... Well, I looked, JPA was playing, uh, playing like, a Bant Stoneblade list a few yeah. weeks ago. I, yeah, I, I, I saw that, I was pumped. That's cool. I did queue into him in a league, and he destroyed me with Show and Tell, so he's still doing <laughs> it on occasion. Um, I, every time I queue into Show and Tell, I'm sad, because most of my decks just get destroyed by it, but I've kind of accepted that fact since I started playing Legacy, where, like, the decks I like to play just can't beat that deck very often. I hear you, bro. So, so if people want to want to find you, man, how what what's your social media situation right now? I don't have Twitter. I've stayed off Twitter because I just don't want it. Um, Good for you. I, I am on Facebook. I'm on the Lady, Leading a Legacy Facebook group. I'm Lomer Boy on Twitch. I, I'm not streaming again quite yet. I have a I bought a new PC and I and I got this like really nice widescreen monitor which is awesome, but I haven't figured out how to stream on a widescreen, so I'm kind of trying to work on that and I okay. might start streaming again. Um, but I'm Lomer Boy on Twitch and Discord and I'm also Flying Whales on Magic Online, uh, so I, I guess I go by three different names depending. Yeah, on the you gotta but. you gotta get your uh, get your social media manager. Uh, yeah, I just don't. It's just like not. I don't even have an Instagram. It's just not my thing. <laughs> like I, I stick to Facebook only because I have to stay in touch with you know people who don't live in Seattle and like communities and stuff. But otherwise, I probably wouldn't be on social media. Yeah, um, I feel you. But yeah, I, if people have questions, you know, you can always message me on Discord or Facebook or friend me. I'm, you know, a friendly guy. Even though, like, I did have. It's, it's unfortunate because I had a period like a couple of years ago, like a year and a half, two years ago, where I was like going through a bad time and I was like incredibly salty and kind of a huge asshole a lot of the time and it massively ruined my reputation. And so like while I'm not that way anymore and I've worked on myself and I don't do that kind of stuff anymore, I feel like there's a lot of people that still remember me by that and it's like highly unfortunate. So, uh... If you're listening to this and I salted at you at any point in time, I apologize. <laughs> it's it all good. Bro. I I love Moto Salt personally. I know a lot of people don't, but I I personally it makes like winning sweeter. So I I've it, never it I've never taken it. I've never gotten mad at somebody for salting. It's just now like, I know this isn't. You know. Oh no, I know this isn't like how you want to be now. But I feel like we like. We need more villains. Yeah, you need to lean into it. <laughs> I, you I know, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, somebody, somebody's gotta, somebody's gotta take up that mantle. There are plenty of salty people on Moto. <laughs> Still are. So there's plenty of people doing that. I just, I, I felt bad because I love the community so much, and there's so many good people, and I just like didn't want to build that reputation early, and yeah. I did, and it's unfortunate. So I'm trying to correct that now, but. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I just it came into my mind. We were talking about like social media and leaving a legacy because I know like there's a, a lot of that attached to my Moto username still. So that's all good. Yeah, if you get back to streaming, let me know. That's uh, that's interesting because yeah, I hadn't seen you uh, recently. I didn't know maybe if you were keeping it under wraps or if you had a different name or something. But no, it's just the monitor thing. I'm trying to figure out, and also I'm I'm a lot worse playing when I stream. Then I'm yes. gonna play by myself. For for it's, sure. I feel there, that. There are certain there are certain nights where I'm playing where I know that I can't stream because I get distracted by the stream and like my focus isn't hundred percent and I just can't do that. I feel that for sure. 
yeah, it's just so much harder. I have a lot of respect for all the streamers that do it constantly, like Strifo. Like, mad respect for Strifo. Chase Hansen is a great guy and a great streamer and a great player and great deck builder. And I, I take a lot from him because he's one of those guys, like those pioneers of like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to play this deck and I don't give a shit if people think it looks like crap on paper. I'm going <laughs> to win with it anyway because it's my play style, right? And he's had a lot of success doing that. So like, those are the kind of people that I've looked up to and like, you know, built just, my Just play around. it till it's good. Yeah, you just play the decks that work to your style because you're a yeah. good enough pilot, you know? I think that's that's like something that a lot of people aren't able to do, but like Chase is one of those guys that's done it. And he's done it while streaming. He streams challenges and he wins them and I don't understand because Yeah. Like it's too much for my brain to do that, so It reminds me of a Mike Tyson quote, I'm gonna fuck you until you love me. Yeah. That's... <laughs> okay. That's a weird, <laughs> a weird thing. That, <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I mean. Just, just the the vision of him playing the deck until it was good was just too much for me. But yeah, well, I, he's 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 certainly done it, and there's a lot of other guys that have have done that. A lot of people that stream, you know, like Rich Cali streams now, and I love watching him play because. Oh just, God, dude! There's no one who I have a worse record against lifetime. I think <laughs> learn, learn to love. You and, like, everyone else, right? I mean, the guy is Probably, just an yeah. incredible player. Yeah, it's just, like, it's so fun to watch him because I'm like, oh, you think, like, 20 turns ahead and you're just, like... You know, I'm always 4-0. I'm always fucking 4-0 and getting paired with him. So it's just, <laughs> like, it's like a, a PTSD reaction I have. Yeah, that's fair. But it's, like, he does it, too, where he streams and he still plays at a high level. And I just, like, collapse in on myself when I try to stream. So I think yeah. I just have to view it differently as, like... A fun thing to do not like trying to win when i stream you know yeah and i think viewing your yourself as weird as this sounds this is like the wrong thing to talk about when i'm trying to close out the cast but i think that i get too self-conscious when i know people are watching me yeah where i'll start analyzing my own actions rather than just you know focusing outward with all my attention I have to divert like, you know, 25% of my attention or something inward and like how are people perceiving me right now right. where that, that just ends up occupying a lot of the background processes that you would normally be able to devote to the match. So I think it's a measure of sort of uh, self, self-awareness or, you know, comfortable uh, in front of other people or, or something that I, I personally need to work on too. So it's Yeah, like, and uh, I, I totally feel you and i also a huge shout out to dukes dougal warby that guy is i i mean he doesn't know this like i i've guest streamed with him a couple times but he is one of my favorite people that plays magic because i've learned so much from the way he approaches the game like his attitude is always so positive and like that i i feel like he's taught i don't know if you guys have watched his stream but i feel oh like yeah he's taught me a lot as far as like how to handle yourself when you yep. play magic and how to be a, how to have sportsmanship and how to be a good guy and he's just like such a nice person and i i feel like i just had to give him a shout out because i think a lot of the like a lot of the reasons behind why i've been able to shift my attitude is because i've taken a lot from him and i've just been like yeah like he's always so calm and chill and like loves having people hang out and you know i mean i just think like that's how i want to be you know yeah for sure i think we're both big fans of him right tom Yes, absolutely. And speaking of of, uh, do you say Dugas? How, how do you, I always 
I like read his name so many times before I heard it, so I always say Dugis, but it's how do you say it? Dugs. Dugs on Twitch is the, there we go. the Twitch name and his name, but I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Dougal Warby is his name. And, yeah. Uh, he's he's a really good Maverick player, and he just he, I think like it's like he and Reed Duke like personify the kind of person I want to sit across the table from when I play Magic. You know. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of uh, Dugs, I think uh, the Pit too. They're they're streaming again. I noticed. Big yeah, big shout out too. Big shout out to Travis in the Pit. Recent patrons to the Dead Format podcast. Dude, that's nice. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. That is awesome. I I, yeah. I was I was so happy and, and uh, also giddy to see that. But that's that's awesome. I'm gonna be uh, watching those streams again. Uh, now that now that they're doing IRL again, uh, in a limited capacity, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's so cool in my opinion. Yeah, Travis is a great guy, and like he does so much for the community, and it's a good stream, and like it's a lot of props to to those guys. Just a lot of props to all the people who continued to keep Legacy alive even when it was like dog shit for six months. So, yeah. Because yeah, like no honestly, question. like let's be real, the format was terrible. Like let's just be honest <laughs> with ourselves. It was fucking awful. I thought it was pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't make myself play anymore. during. I couldn't either. I, st- I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm good. I, that's enough. Imagine yeah. having a legacy podcast where you try to talk about it every week and, like, <laughs> in the back of your mind, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, shout out to you guys, too. You guys put up with that crap for ages and continue to put out content on a weekly basis. So, well done. I don't know. I don't know about weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we continue That's we're back, it's, we're back it's a reward it. right like you're rewarded yeah. because now it's great and it's fun and this is the legacy mm-hmm. you remembered and you want to play and like I'm excited to get up and play you know I'm excited to think about decks again and like you know optimize lists and like talk to other people about it and like it's just I'm like this is the game I love and I, I pray I, every night I go to bed and I'm like please wizards don't fuck this up with Modern Horizons, please. Like, <laughs> I just pray that they've learned. Dude, I'm they're like going terrified. to. They're going to fuck it up, though, right? I know. I know. Oh, they're no. going to stop they for even, six more months. They even made a comment about the power level of Modern Horizons. Like, they were like, and hearkening back to Modern Horizons 1, we have a push in the power level of some of the cards that are being printed. Uh, <sighs> uh, I hope it doesn't F up this 40K that I'm going to. I'm so pumped. <laughs> to be going on another magic trip again. Like, we got the Airbnb booked. I'm just, I'm ready. I really hope, I really hope I can be a part of that Airbnb, too. I hope so, too. It's, uh, we're, uh, it's July 31st, right? And that's the day our lease ends here, so I'm, it's a high probability I'll be moving that weekend, but I'm going to try to do what I can to be there. Yeah, hopefully you guys can get moved out, like, a, like a week early or something like that, or if things work out that way. Yep, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the hope. That's gonna be a fun trip. I'm uh, I'm excited for for both of you. I I had signed up for the like the bigger tournament, the 100k or whatever, and yeah. I I I got my uh, money back because I thought I was quitting, but now I'm a little sad about it. But that's okay. I don't actually have paper cards yet, so it's fine. Yeah, but for sure. um, yeah, I mean, I think the saving grace is like if they screw it up with Modern Horizons, then I can just take six more months off, knowing that they'll fix it eventually. You know, I think that's just like <laughs> how it is. When you live in Seattle, yeah. 
Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's I'm I'm excited for paper to come back, even if you know, I'm just buying like loan back or something. I'm I'm I miss the community here too, and we have such a good legacy scene at Card Kingdom, and yeah. so shout out to all those guys too for um, keeping the scene alive and well here for so many years, and hopefully we get past this thing soon and we get paper events back with regularity once everybody's able to do that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, Connor. We really appreciate it. I think this was a great talk. Tom, if people want to find you on Twitter, how can they do you that? Can, you can find me at tsmileymtg, and you can follow the cast at deadformatcast. Deadformatcast at gmail.com, ian81125. And I think that's a wrap. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really uh, appreciate it. It's so great to talk to you both again, and thanks for giving me an opportunity to just, like, talk about nerdy stuff for an hour <laughs> dude our pleasure Def, definitely our pleasure you're one of the better one of the best guests we've had honestly uh, oh, i appreciate that i love it i'm happy to come back anytime and i'm uh you guys are great so keep keep doing the the work every week it's you know it's awesome thanks a lot bro keep doing your thing